Welcome to Everyday Witch, the podcast. Join head witches Tess and Nikki as we discuss our lives and invite you to embrace the magic. Hi, everybody. Welcome. We just wanted to say thank you so much to Angelica Rose Neary. She is an intuitive healer that guides women to heal their mind, body, and soul and become the healers they were always meant to be, utilizing Ayurvedic, Reiki, Kundalini Yoda, Yoga, and Vedic astrology. She is an Ayurvedic practitioner, Reiki master, 500-hour Kundalini Yogi, and a Vedic astrologer. So welcome, and thank you for being on the Everyday Witch podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I love following the both of you and I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And do you want to tell our our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am an intuitive healer. Um, I like to think of myself as a guide. I simply just empower women to remember that they know how to heal themselves. So um, I do this through certification programs on how to become an Ayurvedic health coach and a Reiki master. And these are just tools to empower you, again, of what you already know. These ancient sciences, they run so deep and it really is a remembrance. And learning how to heal your mind, body, and soul with diet, lifestyle practices, things that are really accessible. And of course, connecting to your inner spirit, which is truly what I see as the root cause of all imbalances and diseases is just finding a connection to spirit, source, unity, consciousness, whatever we like to call it. That's amazing. And it also goes right into our first question, which is, since you teach women how to be healers, what does the Divine Feminine Healers program entail? Yeah, so in this program, I, so it's interesting because my journey, I first got into this with yoga very much like a physical practice and I grew up as a dancer so I've always been all about body but once I found yoga and it was deeper really connecting the mind and body I was like oh that's what's happening in dance I'm able to release my emotions I'm able to connect to my body in a certain way and express myself so I found that outlet with yoga and it was so beautiful I've never felt more connected to my body and then the burnout started to happen which is a reoccurring karma for me it's a theme that comes up in my life and I was just burnt out as a yoga instructor and it was showing up as chronic conditions. I had irritable bowel syndrome and I also had amenorrhea, which is a lack of menses for at least three months. And I didn't have my period for over three years. And I really wanted to heal holistically. I didn't want to go, the doctors were just telling me to get back on birth control, prescription, all these things that felt very disempowering to me. And also I wanted an explanation. So even when I asked my doctor, like, why do I need to go on birth control? And I only got the answer of to protect your eggs. And that wasn't enough for me. I like wanted, I knew so much about the body and I wanted to know deeper. So I kept hearing this call to find Ayurveda. And um, when I found Ayurveda, it was like floodgates opened. And I finally realized every question that I had about my body was answered in this. So this is a huge part of what I include in my program is becoming an Ayurvedic health coach because it empowers you to know what your unique mind, body, soul, like each of us is so unique. So when you go to the doctor, even if we have PCOS or we have amenorrhea, I'm never going to prescribe you the same treatment plan because you're so different, right? Like you've had different experiences. So it's really seeing each human as a unique person and treating them as that the individual rather than the symptom or the diagnosis. And I don't mean to say this into like 
graph off Western medicine. I, I think it's incredible for, for what it's done. Um, I just think that there needs to be a research, resurgence of a lot of holistic sciences. So Ayurveda was huge for me. And then I also, I healed a lot of my digestive issues with Ayurveda, but still wasn't getting my period. And I had this crazy experience when I went through, it was after my Reiki 2 training. So you go through an attunement process in Reiki where you receive the Reiki energy. And they were really profound for me. I, you know, you can feel it viscerally in your body. You can get clairvoyant gifts activated. And the next day after my Reiki 2 attunement, I got my period after like not for years. And this happens a lot with women. They'll get their period after Reiki. And I think that's this deep cleansing process and also a deep, deeper connection back to your divine feminine essence. And that was like, whoa, that was crazy to me because even Ayurveda, if you use it as a tool, it can seem very physical, like diet and herbs, but I wasn't really connecting to the spirituality of it and knowing that there's a, a lot of unseen things happening under the surface. So Reiki gave me a way to kind of understand that as much as I could without grasping onto something. Um, so I collected that under my belt. Um, and then I found out that yoga is Turns out it's not just asana and getting a good workout in your body, which I always knew. Um, I went to India and I learned the true form of yoga is integrating all practices together, breath work, mantra, kriya, kundalini, all of it. And very profound. And so got more tools in my tool belt. And I was like, I this is what I bring to my consultations. So that's what I was doing at the time, one-on-ones. And then I just wanted to work deeper with people. I wanted to see deeper transformations. And I realized this common thread of women wanting to do this as a full-time job and not knowing where to begin with that and needing the business support for it and all that type of stuff. So truly, I've just kind of been answering what the needs of my audience is. And then I kind of adjust and I respond to it. And also, I really believe that if you're on a life of soul's purpose, your clients are you in certain ways, like they mirror you. So I've kind of been on this journey with my clients and them and just kind of responding to what their needs are. And right now everyone wants to um, step into the role of a healer. And sometimes they need that validation of a certificate and it's way beyond the certificate. There's so much self-healing that happens in the program. And that divine feminine part is truly coming back to you are your own healer. And if I could distill that, there's so many aspects to it, but if I could distill it down to one, it'd be that, you have to trust your intuition as your guiding light, that that is key. No matter what is going on in your life, if you can always trust, for example, the wisdom of your body, if there is a chronic condition, there's such deep insight into that that you need to listen to. If you're angry, that's deep wisdom that you need to listen to. So it's really about coming back to following your intuition and then these fancy things like Ayurveda, yoga, and Reiki, and Vedic astrology um, help us along the way. That's a, that's a amazing. And that's also a lot, like how long did it take you to train in all of that and really be knowledgeable in everything? Yeah, it was such a journey with it. And in the beginning I was so like, and I still am, I love learning new things. I'm always learning new things, but it can become a cycle of like, I can't stop learning. I can't stop trying all the things. I was very much always like try it though. And then put it into practice. Um, so if you're listening to this and you haven't put it into practice yet, do that. <laughs> you need to start, um, doing something with it. Um, but I started in twenties, I suppose senior in college when I got my yoga certification, just a very interesting time to, for me to do that. I was still in my party phase. So it's kind of incredible that I did that at that time. So that was 2014. And then 
yeah, I'm still learning Vedic astrology now. So I mean, until now, I'll be forever a student. <laughs> I agree with that. That's how that's how I feel, and I love that you mentioned that. Um, everyone is unique and everyone is different and their spiritual path, their healing path is, is different because in herbalism, that's what they teach us that you don't ever treat this. You, you might see similar things like a reoccurring theme, but you never treat the, for the same thing with each person because they are uniquely their own and their own essence and the things that are happening to them. And so it was nice. And I do think that there's an awareness that is being brought back to that, that just because you hear of it with others doesn't mean that that's affecting me in that way. Um, I had to go through that with um, some medical things that happened with me. And I had to keep telling them that like, just because 70% of people experience this, this isn't and I was actually dying. I was literally like dying. I was walking around bleeding 27 to 29 days out of the month. And I got down to a 6.4 hemoglobin level and had to push and keep pushing that like there is something seriously wrong with me, even though the fibroids are a big, you know, thing with everybody. And um, it taught me a lot about how to use my voice um, and to stand in that power and say, no, my intuition, my body is telling me that this is what's happening. Um, because I've just been earth day two years ago is when I started doing yoga and started really connecting with all of these different practices. Um, and it's been amazing to see the, the journey transition, um, especially with Kundalini yoga. I know that I have welcomed my spirit back to my body and it's very refreshing. So I agree, I'll forever be a student too, because you're always learning and implementing new things into your, your journey as a healer. Yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah, Kundalini is such a gift and like getting back to our spirit, like you said, I love it. Yes, fantastic. Well, I'm curious. Um, I know that you have a big community and collective, and I was wondering what that means to you to have so many people with you on this spiritual path. Yeah, I I think about that too. And I think I'm, I'm constantly thinking about my community. I'm like, what do you all need? What do you want? I asked my community that yesterday, like, what are your biggest obstacles and challenges? Because so right now, um, Saturn, and this is Vedic astrology, so if you follow Western, you're like, mm, this is off. But in Vedic astrology, Saturn retrograde back into Capricorn, and there's this reoccurring theme of obstacles and challenges and hard work that may be coming up in a six-month cycle. And when it's in retrograde, it's kind of like a cleanup period of what we didn't finish on the last cycle, we get a second chance. So a lot of us are facing challenges right now and it feels hard and it can feel uncomfortable depending on where Saturn is placed it's not everyone who may be experiencing that um and so I think it's really important right now that like we're I'm just constantly asking I the way that I connect with my community is just by doing the self-healing work on my own um I have a mentor and I'm constantly self-reflecting and, and seeing what I need to look at and then I always see this reflected in my community so I share of course what I'm going through and what I see um, and then just constantly in communication with what everyone else needs and tends to and I'm grateful for the community that I have the women that are in my certification program and I keep it really small because we get really deep in there and it gets really intimate and as healers as you know it's like you really need boundaries with that so that container is super intimate and close so it's like such a fulfilling place in my heart. Like I, we actually just had our call today. We have them on Tuesdays and I was just like, Oh, this is just why I do it. Cause I just, I hear their, I get to be with them through their transformations and to kind of hold hands along the way and to be a part of that facilitation is so beautiful.
beautiful and you're just like hands off right you're just like guiding and getting to witness it but it's so it's so radical um and then i have my my other community where we meet for like the moon ceremonies and um, it's a different type of transformation. Sometimes it's not as deep and cathartic as it can be when we're in that closed session, but it's so it, it's so beautiful to witness what part of the journey people are on and the connections that everyone has together. Like that for my membership people, it's usually like when they're just getting into this world. And so it's like, how exciting. Oh my God, you haven't heard about Ayurveda before. I'm so happy for you. I cannot wait to dive into this. And like, you get to be so excited about all the discoveries along the way. So I just totally feel blessed all the time. That's awesome. I mean, we just did a workshop and I felt the same exact way, like watching other people learn and experience something for the first time is such an amazing feeling. And it's like, so it's so rewarding to do it you know it gets you back that childlike curiosity with it because like you're constantly having to build a new relationship with these modalities because it's like you have them for your whole life now and it's so cool that you get to like be like oh yeah i forgot like that is incredible that that little detail that i miss yes so since you do know so much and have so much education is there a favorite practice you have Hmm. Oh. there's so many <laughs> <laughs> um what feels alive for me right now I so I'm very like I could be very etherical um but I could also be very like in my fire energy so I'll kind of share a little bit of both I mean when I'm in the etherical world I love kundalini like I love blasting off to like different dimensions I love um Astral traveling is a big part of my spiritual practice. My dreams are always very vivid. It almost feels like they're more alive than my um, everyday life. So that kind of gets a little tricky sometimes because I'm like, wait, didn't we do this? Or didn't I say this to you? And it didn't happen like that. Um, but it's very fun to play in those realms. And I love Kundalini because I feel like it helps me to access that astral body um, and to and have fun with it. I think that a lot of times spirituality of like, I got to do breath work and I got to do meditation and it's boring. But to me, Kundalini just like opened up this whole world of how fun it could be and that we get to play and work talking to other, um, to our guides and having visualizations and feeling that yogic high that we get after class. I never knew what that was. Like they talk about it in the ancient scriptures of yoga all the time of how you get to a bliss. And I was only doing asana practice at the time. So I was like, I don't understand. Like I feel good, you know, but like I, by no means blasting off. And then Kudalini really gave me those tools by breath control, which is pranayama um, and using certain mudras, which are hand gestures or locks in the body to really activate the higher chakras. Um, and it just, yeah, that, that always fascinates me. So I, I love doing those. I do those on my moon ceremonies because um, they also really transform the chakras. The chakras are that energetic system that we have in our body that correlate to the connection between our physiology and our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual body. And that system really is the backbone of a lot of my programs that I run too. So um, I love that Kundalini works directly with the chakras. So we're always looking to see where we can heal them. Um, and it can really remove blockages um, quite quickly too, if we're in proper alignment and make right relationship with them. Um, and then something else that I'm really loving right now is using art, um, expressive arts to heal. 
this is something that I've been out of touch with. Um, even though I grew up as a dancer and I knew how potent that was for me as a healing, I think that as adults, we kind of get away from the art sometimes and we kind of forget it. That, that was my thing. Um, and so with my mentor right now, we do poems. I bought like crepas, just oil pastels, and I just start to draw and it's so calming. And I actually feel like my emotions have a voice and can be seen and really be processed in a different way. Um, it's so beautiful to put that into art. I think a lot of times we talk about emotional healing and release in the Vedas. It's like, feel it, then release it. And then it's all gone. And I never really understood that or you really get the depth of it, but I feel like putting it into art actually helps me to process it because I understand the wisdom behind those emotions that I was feeling. So, um, yeah, those two are, are speaking to me right now. Wow, that's amazing. I actually like love art therapy. I think it's super soothing. I don't do it as much as I used to, but I know for myself, I've been thinking about getting in touch with a, a dance troupe. For me, that's where I feel the most free uh, that I've ever felt in my whole entire life. And like, I, I, I connect so much to it or singing as loud as I possibly can sometimes and just pushing those emotions through the what I'm feeling and then it's like all of a sudden like you're just like screaming in your car and you're like oh god I feel like a thousand times better I just need to move that energy I guess <laughs> oh my god yeah that reminds me I've been doing a lot of kirtan lately I live in California I live in LA and in Topanga they do these kirtan um chants that are outside in the mountains and it, oh, it's such a release and I'm by no means a singer, um, but I have a lot of throat chakra blockages and it is the most releasing thing. We sing, I think for like four hours straight, just mantra after mantra. And after you're like, oh my God, I want to tell the world everything. It's insane. It, was, it, it also reminds me of the first time I ever went to a sound healing. I went to an hour and a half long sound healing for my first sound yes. healing experience ever. And I saw my happy place. And it was the most amazing experience ever. And even the teacher was like, wow, it's your first time. And I was like, it's amazing. And I've been hooked on sound healing like ever since because it gives my, my mind a chance to wander. But it also helps me now I know where my happy place is and I'm able to call on that energy when I need it a lot more. And so it is quite amazing how different practices activate these different healing centers of our body and our brains and how we can call on those when we need them or sometimes we forget that they're there and then when we rediscover them like you said you have this child like oh my gosh this is so great like especially with poetry and art it's such an expressive fun aspect of healing yeah and I love it because it's like within us we don't really have to like go searching for it like you don't need to go take a sculpture class for it like just go buy some colored pencils and a paper and that's it yes I agree that's amazing so um, actually, we're kind of, I'm really curious. Could you explain for our listeners a little bit more of the background or insight on Vedic astrology? Yeah, so Vedic astrology is one of the most ancient forms of astrology. And it comes from the same sciences of Ayurveda and yoga. This, that's what the Vedas are. The Vedas are the oldest known group of people. Um, it also refers to the texts back then. So sometimes you'll hear them synonymously of being referred to as texts or people. And they truly had all this knowledge because they were always seated, seated in deep meditation and they channeled all of this information. And it's so, it like blows me away and gives me chills to think about that they were so, I mean, when you look at Ayurveda, of course, it gets to the root cause of the imbalance. We talk about the doshas 
um, but it gets so granular even on a physiological level of the tissues of the body and how we can even start to heal deeper diseases like chronic conditions and they had the answers to it it's just it's mind-blowing so they also um, came up with a system of Vedic astrology and this is also synonymous with Jyotish which means the science of light and so the science of light is truly to move us from a place of karma to dharma. So karma is past action. And contrary to what a lot of people think that if you do something bad, karma is going to get you. Not really the full picture there. Um, it just means that everything has a cause and effect, that every action we have is put into the universe. And that's, and that's what happens. And there is an effect because of that. So it's about making right relationship with your karma and knowing that we each kind of have this personal mythology where we have certain patterns that get repeated. And until we're able to look at these patterns, we're going to keep cycling them. That's how we get stuck on the cycle of karma and we don't heal. When we began to bring awareness to that and then we move towards Dharma, Dharma is um, living a life of soul's purpose and means forward action. So that is when we are evolving our souls and we are choosing differently dependent on our conditionings and our patterns and all of that. So that's at the heart of it, if you really think about it. And, um, and I say that because I think a lot of times Vedic astrology can be misconstrued. It's often presented as a very predictive type of astrology. And if you go to India, that's very much how it's presented. It's like kind of here, like if you go to an astrology, it like off the side of the road and it's got like astrology and neon lights or something and you go there and they're like I'll tell you your future who you're gonna love and all these things and on you could use Jochish for that it's honestly so specific and you could I just don't like what would be the purpose of knowing your future right there's not there's no weight to that same thing Tess you talk all the time about with tarot so the yeah. what what is useful though is knowing um, what your karmic patterns are and how you can choose differently and knowing also um, more about your soul's purpose. So what I use Vedic astrology for is for that is how you can understand what your, where your dharma is in your charts based on what house it's in and what that sign and the planet ruling um, is and how you can start to step fully into that soul's purpose. And then also understanding where your wounds come from, um, where you're not receiving nourishment and support, all these things can kind of start to help collect about that person. Um, but the main difference that I would say is between Vedic and Western is that Vedic is just more specific. So the shorthand way of saying that is if you were to open up the Skywalk app, or is it Starwalk? Starwalk or Skywalk, I don't know. Um, but if you open it up and you put it up in the sky at night and then you can see where the constellations are. So you would, for example, look it up and you would see the sun and you would see that it's over cancer right now. And you'd be like, I thought the sun was in Leo. And that's just because Western astrology is based on seasonality and that Vedic astrology is based on exact coordinates. And that's because they were so smart these ancient species, that they knew that the earth had this wobble to it. So every single time that the earth goes around the sun, it has this wobble and it doesn't go back to that same spot every time because it has a wobble, it shifts slightly. And every year it shifts a little bit further and further away. So what the ancient species did is they took a vantage point, a point that was far farther off in the distance that can measure what more of that exact point was. And it just so happens that now it's 2022 when they first decided this in like, let's say zero AD, 
Um, now it's off 23 and a half degrees. So that's often why when we say the new moon is in Gemini um, in Western astrology, but the new moon is in Taurus in Vedic astrology, it's off one sign, which is about 23 and a half degrees. So that is the main difference there. And this is not to knock Western astrology. I still love my Western signs and I love Western astrology. I think it's very fun. It's just based on seasonality and Vedic astrology is more exact and it's based on exactly where the planets are in reference to the constellations. That's super interesting and also educational because I don't think most people even would think there's two different types of astrology. <laughs> you know, it's just like astrology in general. So I think that's really important for people to understand. Yeah, and there's a lot of different nuances with it too. Like on the new moon and the full moon, there's also star constellations. So not only is like the new moon in Taurus, but the new moon is in Taurus and then a specific star system, which they call the nakshatras. So it just gets even more detailed because think about it. Like we have a lot of moons in Taurus, but each new moon is a little, has its own flavor to it. So there's, there's a lot of different like little nuances to it um, that are different. Yeah. What advice would you have for someone who's interested in learning more about any of these practices, but is overwhelmed or concerned about like not knowing enough? Like where should they start? Yeah. So it really comes back to listening to your intuition and what your gut is telling you in the direction, because it can be overwhelming in the beginning. And it's like, that's when I first learned yoga and then it opened up to this world of Ayurveda and Vedic astrology. I was like the same. I was like, I need all of this. And I think that's because if you're intuitive and kind of psychic, it's like, well, I know I'm going to eventually learn all of this. Um, but it's a matter of just really finding where that, where that strength is right now. So for me, example, at the time, my body was speaking to me It needed to be healed. So Ayurveda was the medicine that I needed in that moment. And then it was time to, um, Reiki was calling me and the, these callings and these messages show up in so many unique ways they can show up in your body they can show up in your emotions they can show up in your relationships they can show up in different people like literally people would just say Ayurveda to me like all the time and I'm like what is going on here um so just like being really awakened to what those messages are and those threads and it should feel good like it shouldn't feel like oh got to do this but like if it gives you energy and it makes you feel full of light then that's that's your right direction and know and trust that all the other pieces will come when the timing is right that's I think that's great advice and then one question we ask everyone on the podcast because of what it's about is what does magic mean to you mm, I love that um, magic means to me is trusting in the beautiful synchronicities of the universe and how there's so much to the unknown that we don't know. Um, and that's what creates the magic. Like I always think of manifestation is so trippy to me sometimes when I think about it, like it's so wild how we are just living witches in every moment and waking of our life. Um, but then I remember the human side of me wants to control things and get certain expectations for how these manifestations are going to come through. And that's me like snagging the magic away from it. But when I'm able to kind of just witness and be in the flow of everything that's meant to come with me, then I get so surprised and I get so, and that's just like, that, that to me is the magic of life. Love that. I love yeah. that so much. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we love asking that question because it's so amazing to see 
what it means to each person. Cause like we've talked about it, we're all so unique in our own ways. And so mm-hmm. it's just a really wonderful question to ask everyone um, to see from their point of view. And everyone always has a different answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. That's so, that is so unique. I've never, I have never heard of that being asked like as a general question for everyone. And that's so true because everyone has their own definitions of magic. Yes. Yeah, we love it. We were so excited when I came. I'm like, let's ask this question. Yay. (laughs) Um, But I know that we've talked a lot about um, trusting our intuitions and listening to that energy that's inside of us. Um, Do you have any advice to help people who are maybe trying to connect or trust their intuition? Um, Maybe even just a small little daily exercise they could do to tune in to help them connect to that energy. So I think that our connecting to our body is the simplest and the most accessible. And I think sometimes this can feel the most difficult. Um, Trauma makes us disassociated. We live in a world that constantly dysregulates our nervous system. So it's easy for us to be disconnected. And especially if we feel like it's not safe to be in our bodies based on whatever conditions are being projected on it. However, that truly is the way home. So I know this can feel difficult to hear if you have a chronic condition or if you have a chronic illness, and you're like, how am I supposed to trust my body's messages right now when it feels like it's letting me down? And that is truly where to begin is just understanding that, that that's your calling. And a lot for healers too is um, answering the call to heal their body. And that's how the messages usually show up. So I think just having a daily practice of checking with your body and simply just asking, what do I want and what do I need? So often with healers, I'm sure you can relate. It's like, we know how to give, 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 give. And it's difficult to receive. It's something that we have to work on. So the first part of that is just like a lifelong journey. And there's so many aspects to it and building boundaries. But the first step is just knowing what your needs and wants are. You as your own unique mind, body, and soul, separate from taking on the responsibility of your loved ones and really tuning into what your body needs. Because if your body is speaking to you in the form of an imbalance, it's basically trying to create a boundary with the rest of the world so that you can stop overgiving and you can start nurturing yourself. It's trying to protect you because then it's like, oh, I can't, I literally can't help you anymore. I have to help myself. So see that as such wisdom and such an opportunity to really learn what your best healing is. And from there, let it feel useful. Like what feels like the next step in your right direction is what's low hanging fruit? Is it just switching your diet a little bit? Have you been hearing about Ayurveda and you're curious to eat a diet that's aligned for your dosha? Or have you been wanting to just simply go on walks? Walks are so healing and just being out in nature. Um, it's really about putting one foot in front of the other and kind of following the breadcrumbs. That's a message I always get from my guides because that leads you to your next message and what you need. You're not going to get the whole picture all at once and be like, oh my God, this is my healing plan. This is what's going to make everything better. So just be really grateful for every little breadcrumb that you get in front of you. Yes. And I think about boundaries that is so important, especially like you said, when you are a healer, it's you're taking on so many other people's emotions And it's really hard to set boundaries sometimes or to even realize you need them. But it's definitely something I've been learning a lot more lately. (laughs) It's like, don't take that on. That's not yours, you know? So yeah, definitely important. Yeah, and I think as healers too, it's like we feel responsible for other successes because 
the old paradigm or even now you can see like you know doctors and nurses it's like kind of in their hands if you're going to heal or not it's not in the patients and so i think we take that on as well is that that's the same relationship and it's not it's we do the opposite is we empower them we give them information and then they're you know it's up to them and their karma and, and all that and their ancestral healing on how they're going to heal yeah well, besides helping other people heal, is there anything you like to do or do you have any hobbies? Yes. So this is so funny. So I relate to a lot of like the fire sign, as I was mentioning. Um, so a lot of times I get really wrapped up in my career. And this is something recent where I was like, oh my God, my hobby, which was spirituality, became my whole life. So I had to really find what hobbies were again. And this was hard for me, um, especially because I was in my Saturn return and Saturn can be a kind of serious time for people where they're like in the trenches and not having fun. But recently I've been having a lot more fun. It's been really great. Um, and I realized I just had to plan it out more. Um, so I'm, for example, I'm going to the Sequoias this weekend um, and being out in nature and hiking is just my favorite. And looking at the stars at night is like all I need in this world. Um, so I'm really excited. And then I'm, the weekend after that, I'm going to Big Sur. So I think just like getting out in nature and um, being around other people is really important. I think also like when you first start on this healing journey, you're like, if you're not spiritual, I can't be around you or, you know, I don't know, or even just getting consumed in the community and, and not wanting to be around anyone else. And I love, I love humans so much. And I think there's also like getting out of the grievance of the pandemic and back into the world is super refreshing. Um, but it's a transition. So being out in the world um, and connecting with other people has bringing me joy. That's incredible. It is, there is something very powerful and moving about being out in, in nature and, and grounding back to, to the earth and, and looking up at the stars. Those are some of my fondest memories as a kid was staring. Oh, if only I could go back sometimes, you know, now, now you have to work even harder to keep the, the thoughts from entering your brain when you do that. But that's so incredible and good luck and have so much fun on your trips um, over the next few weeks. You're welcome. So we always like to ask people um, the, about something magical that happened to them this week or something that was kind or uplifting or magical that you would like to share with our, our listeners. Hmm. So many things. Um, so I guess I'll just say today, something magical that happened. Um, so on my call today with the women in my certification program, we did um, a grief ritual. And this is an ancient practice that I learned from my mentor, which she learned from a Native American tribe. Um, and I, I can go on like a whole other podcast talking about grief rituals, but it's something that we've lost in society. Um, and being able to um, grieve, and I, I, it's funny that there's something uplifting like magic and it feels like I'm talking about something heavy, but it all comes together, I promise. Um, but being able to grieve these past parts of ourselves and being able to grieve things that we never had the time to process. Um, so we talked about really heavy things. I have a lot of moms in my group too. So there's a lot of lack of support that happens with that and how moms are just meant to keep trucking on and put their traumas to the side. And this, especially as sensitive beings, it takes a toll on our bodies and our health. And that's what keeps us stuck and unclear. So we had our first grief ritual today. Um, and it was so beautiful and being able to witness these women talk about these deep things that they haven't been able to express 
to anyone before and they didn't know that was still there, that they were still digesting. Um, and being able to give them the space to do that, to finally be seen and heard and what they needed to be and to feel supported in that. I just don't think that that is something that is common in our world today. And also just do it in a group setting where not only, because you know, typically it's like in therapy session, you're just one-on-one -on -one with a person, but this is part of the, how profound a grief ritual is, is that you see it in a collective group and multiple people get to witness you and see you. It's it's super healing and transformative. So um, I'm really celebrating them today. They were so brave and courageous. And I love seeing the transformations that have happened from it and hearing the passion that comes. Because once we release the grief, it really becomes um, the compost for our stepping into our soul's purpose. Because we realize what breaks our heart actually drives us to why we are trying to um, serve our mission with this world. It's why we're trying to heal the world in the way that we are. So yeah, that was, that was really magical today. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's very incredible. Yeah. I, I've been doing a, a lot of, of healing. Um, I was sobbing on my balcony yesterday because I have a lot of change and transition that is happening. And I was like trying to explain to my dad that like, it's okay for me to grieve what is, what's ending so that then I can step into this new space. I'm getting emotional about it right now. Um, but it's incredible though, to have that group and to see that, like, I know red tents have been very healing for me as well with losing. Um, I had a hysterectomy and I had a lot of feelings and I thought I was fine until I went to a red tent ceremony and it was amazing to feel these women's energies and to be seen. And then it did give me that space to be able to release and let go and to move and step forward into more of my alignment of where I was heading. And I come to find out, I went through all of these things to be an advocate for people I knew who were dealing with medical problems and gave them their voice to stand up so that they could get the healing they needed. And so I think it's amazing that you're celebrating giving space and honoring um because it is hard to be vulnerable in a in a setting like that but then to feel that unity um and support is so healing in so many levels of spirit of, of just self yeah yeah especially when no one like makes it okay to be sad about letting something go. Like you, no matter what it is, you're still letting something go and you should grieve it. Even if it's something small, it doesn't matter. And that's not a societal norm that's really accepted. Totally, totally. And there's so much of how like the collective is like really reflecting this on so many levels. Um, but yeah, I'm so happy that you both had that space and support there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us and we would love to have you back on and we can talk more about, um, you know, some other areas that we'd like to share with our, our listeners and we would love to have you back on. Yeah, I would love to be on. I, this is such a fun conversation. Yes, we are so excited that you decided to be on the podcast and we will have links for where everyone can find you in the description so people can learn more about how to be a feminine healer 